0: It's time once again for another episode of the American Gods podcast presented by Freaking Geeks Media. The podcast that covers the latest news, episodes, and discussion regarding Neil Gaiman's seminal novel and its television adaptation. Thanks for listening if this is your first time, and if it isn't, welcome back. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. The links will be in the show notes. Here are your hosts for the episode, Michael and Sarah. Hello, everybody... Welcome back to another episode of the American Gods podcast. I'm it a- has been a hot minute. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm your host, Michael, and this is Sarah, of course. Hi, God, Blank. And uh, first off, Sarah, I think we should talk about the fact that we did not get a preview for the season out. And uh, That's
1: my fault. Yeah. As you can hear, I am still don't sound that well, but I was really, really sick, and I'm getting over it now. And I sound very, you know, very masculine right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So yeah. you have
1: to bear with me.
0: Okay, so last week uh, we were preparing to do the preview and uh, you contacted me and you said that, hey, look, I have no voice. I literally have no voice. I cannot come on the podcast. I can't do anything. So, in fact, not only really did we not do our American Gods preview last week, but we didn't record any podcasts, any of our nope. podcasts. So, um, you know, that's why we don't have a preview out. And I didn't really feel comfortable with coming on here by myself and trying to, to knock out a preview uh without somebody to discuss everything with. It was just going to be me sitting here talking to myself. words
1: and, off the walls. <laughs> and,
0: you know, talking about, like, predictions and stuff, which, you know, it could have worked. But I, I just I feel like, especially with, like, a preview, you need to be able to bounce ideas off of other people. So
1: Yeah. Definitely. You definitely need somebody to discuss
0: with. Exactly. All right. So, um, but we did watch the episode, right? The premiere. and We sure did. Yes, we did. And we should, uh, you know, take a minute and, uh, you know, talk about how things are changing a little bit for how we do things going into season two. All right. So if you go back to season one, we had a slightly different grading system to how we do things today. So the grading system we had back then, um, you know, it was it was a little different. We graded everything. We graded the episode, at, you know, at the tail end. We gave it a grade. I believe we were doing letter grades even back then. Right. Yeah. I think you're we were right. That was a long grades. time ago. So we were grading it, and so now uh, we're grading it with the same, the same way we do our uh, Freaking Geeks grading system, which is uh, we break everything down into different categories. We give each category a grade, and then at the end, we add everything up, and we give the episode an average or a movie an average grade. So the, uh, the different criteria are script, acting, directing, special effects, and pacing. So uh, we each give our grades and then, you know, like I said, we add them all up and then you get your overall score for the grade itself. So, uh, you know, some people might like that. Some people may dislike that. Um, you can certainly send in your feedback on it. We encourage let you us to know. Uh, let us know if you have a problem with it, but, you know, we have been doing this grading system for a while. We've been doing it with uh, freaking geeks podcast, you know, which we do, you know, Plenty of movie and TV show reviews there, and and I think it's uh you know pretty good. I mean, look, there are some people out there that don't think you should have any kind of grading system. You shouldn't give anything a grade. It's fine, you know. I um, I can see where people come from with that. Uh, some people want a thumbs up, thumbs down. Again, that's fine. Um, there's all manner of grading systems out there. This one, um, you know, I came up with just to break things down a little bit and grade the different aspects of whether it be a movie or a TV show. And, you know, I just thought it sounded like a neat idea and I liked it and we went with it. So uh, that's how we're going to do it. Uh, So before we get into anything, uh, we're going to do a rundown of information here about the episode. We're going to give our one sentence review for the episode itself. And then we'll get into talking about the episode. So first off, I want to mention spoiler warning. Uh, <laughs> we will be getting into spoilers. We will you know, we will be breaking everything down and talking about it ad nauseum. So this is your warning. All right. So uh, American Gods, Season 2, Episode 1, The House on the Rock. Uh, it came out March 10th, 2019. It was written by Neil Gaiman and Jesse Alexander, directed by Chris Christopher J. Byrne, a runtime of fifty three minutes with the cast, uh, including Ricky Whittle, Ian McShane, Emily Browning, Crispin Glover, Orlando Jones, Pablo Schrieber, Cloris Leachman, Peter Stormare, Yetide Badaki, and Bruce Langley, among others. So Sarah. Yeah, it is quite
1: yeah. Cast list. It is a
0: it's a it's a big cast, um, and just about everybody has returned. Of course, the only two that haven't returned are Kristen Chenoweth and Gillian Anderson, who unfortunately dropped out of American Gods whenever Brian Fuller and Michael Green um, exited, exited or were fired. Uh, Nobody is. uh, Well, it depends on who you ask.
1: Allegedly, yes
0: allegedly uh, fired, but also allegedly left on their own terms. Uh, All right. So Sarah, one sentence review. What is your one sentence review for this episode?
1: All right. My one sentence review is, if the first episode is any indication of the rest of the season, we're in for a ride of heavy handed hints, dialogue, sometimes filled with empty words, but with occasional brilliance to them topped with unfortunate shock cheap shock value i know it sounds harsh but i'll explain why later
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay um my one sentence review is while the premiere episode of season two retains some of the characteristics of season one too much exposition some clunky dialogue and at times less than stellar effects bring down what is a promising episode
1: Yeah, yours is much nicer than mine. I literally wrote mine immediately after I finished the episode, so I was still kind of mad (laughs) about the ending. So I'm pretty sure that's where some of my emotions are coming from.
0: (laughs) Okay, that's fine. All right, so plot synopsis. After the events of last season with Easter, Shadow, Mr. Wednesday, Mad Sweeney, and Laura head to the house on the rock to meet up with some other old gods. Meanwhile, Mr. World and Technical Boy retreat In order to create a new plan of attack.
1: That's accurate.
0: Yep. (laughs) All right. So uh, let let's get into this. Um. So for people that have been listening to the last few episodes, you know we we've been putting them out. Uh, we try. We have tried to put them out every month, but uh, I wouldn't say we're not really successful. successful in doing that. Um. But when they released that first scene sarah a few months ago we watched it we came on here and we talked about it right we weren't impressed by the opening scene of the episode you know that's the one with the technical boy you know riding you know in the golf course uh knocking running or, the dude over running the dude over and then they you know they go to this uh place you know this it's a it's called the, the black briar no the yes. green so the green oh, briar no it's Blackbrier. is it Blackbrier? okay i'm pretty sure so in in okay so in real life there actually exists this golf course um, and it has a secret location down below so if this if there's any kind of attack or anything there are senators that will go there and they will be hidden away you know for the safety of the country that kind of thing so is it like this mm, thing nice actually nice for them there? yeah <laughs> Um, so I think obviously they, they pulled this from real life in order to kind of use this as a, a uh, storyline for Mr. Tan or not Mr. Mr. Tan, Mr. World and uh technical boy. Yes. So we weren't impressed by this and for good reason. It felt weird. Um, it, it, some of the shot selection was just weird. I didn't like it. it. It, it, it was like they were trying really hard to evoke season one, but it didn't it didn't feel like it was working very well.
1: No, the dialogue just didn't flow. Right. The lighting was kind of strange too. Like it felt like they were lighting it in a certain way, but they weren't, the actors weren't placed in the place where the lighting would work. And it was just, it was strange. And it just was kind of a flop of an opening. And I even told, michael that when i booted up the first episode i skipped over that first scene just because i was just like eh, i don't really care to watch it again
0: okay yeah uh so after that we have shadow mr wednesday uh, mad sweeney laura they're in the car they're driving away they've driven away from easter um and everything that happened at the end of season one and uh you know tensions are high. Uh, Laura tries to touch Shadow's hand, and and he pulls it away. So obviously, you know he's not exactly happy at the moment, which is understandable. Uh, but the whole point of this episode is getting to the house in the rock, right? It's about you know meeting up with the other old gods, some that we've seen before, um, some that we haven't. Of course, we meet up with uh, Mister Nancy. Of course, and we also uh, meet up with uh, Bilquis. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, yeah.
1: We'll talk about her too, because I don't like her character development very much. They cer- s- certainly went in a direction with her.
0: Okay, uh, and then we meet. Uh, we meet a new god. Um, it's Mama G. Yes. So Mama G is, uh, she's in the in the book, and uh, in this show she is like a chambermaid, right? She works at a, a motel called I think Hotel America, motel, motel America, motel America, and uh, so that's what she does as a job, and and then of course she, she's Mama G, so she's also a god. Uh, so they all come together. Um, at the House on the Rock, and I'm just going to say right now, this location is real, right? So for people that don't yes. know this, the House on the Rock is an actual location, all right? It, it exists. It's a place. Um, you can find it in Spring Valley, Wisconsin. So the show shot on location, and you cannot recreate this. I mean, you could try, but it would always be a, a pretty bad uh approximation of what this is right
1: yeah and i think that's also something that adds to this first episode they got really lucky with their set was already pretty much made for them they just had to film in it and it already had its magic just waiting for them to come into it
0: yep so um, once we get there and we get inside of course um, there's a lot of fantastic shots and we get this intro as well, where there's a brief uh, voiceover talking about the history of the house and the rock and how it's come to be. And, and that's pretty much taken directly from the book. Um, uh, there's a lot of lines in this episode actually that are taken directly from the page. Of course, yeah. no Gaiman uh, wrote probably a majority of this episode. So of course, um, it makes sense Can that he, he use
1: his own dialogue. material. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of lines that are great. I mean, I recognize them immediately from yeah. the novel. I saw that straight from the book. That's right from the book. Um, so once we we get this whole, you know, hey, this is how the house of the rock was created, you know, and how it came to be in, in its history. And we get inside and all the gods kind of, you know, come together uh, more or less. Um. Turns out, you know, Laura can't go to the carousel; she's not allowed, and neither is cool. Mad Sweeney.
1: Now, uh, leprechauns are not allowed.
0: Leprechauns are not allowed. Um, and in fact, mm-hmm. Bilquis kind of just shows up, and it it takes uh, Mr. Wednesday speaking to her to kind of let her in. You know, so she's she wasn't on the list, of course, and she just kind of shows up, then you know, it makes sense if they weren't expecting her, but she just kind of appears, like, hey, I'm here, and I want to I want go to the carousel.
1: Yeah, like, I fucked the guard to get in. It was just like, okay, I guess that's what's going to be going on, and who, this is, what's happening now, there's no red room anymore, it's just in the woman's bathroom, sure, okay.
0: <laughs> well, right, and, and, and okay, that's fine, but um, you know, and we have to remember, too, She's now working on behalf of Mr. World, right? Because And I
1: feel like they're villainizing her a little bit. Like, she switched sides, so now she's the villain. And that's how we're going to have to portray her. Well,
0: okay, I mean, possibly. I mean, obviously, you got to remember, too, though, um, she's also been put into a tough situation. Uh, Going back to last season, given the situation that she was in, um, they were able to leverage where she was at, you know, on the street, um, basically as a homeless person, um, and and they gave her a way of regaining some of her strength. So, and they could take that all away if they wanted to. So, you know, I I feel like um, I'm I'm not fully prepared to go down that route and condemning the character or condemning, you know. The direction yet, only because it's the premiere episode and we don't quite know what we're getting yet. I mean, if we're three episodes in, and you know, yes, okay, fine. I'll, I'll definitely be like, okay, all right, unless you're going to find something interesting to do here with her character, rather than just making her a villain, you're going to find some way to turn this into something a little more interesting, then sure, okay.
1: Exactly. Yeah. If yeah. they just keep to continue to keep her on this kind of like villainous route, then I will just be pissed i mean that's a waste she's one of the most fascinating characters and they gave her so much in season one to take all that away is just would be just horrible it would be a tragedy sure
0: yeah definitely <laughs> uh so they do this whole the whole um uh fortune machine right the fortune teller uh machine they, they put a coin in there and it gives everybody a fortune and of course uh Wednesday won't reveal his and uh, Wednesday – or not Wednesday, Shadow gets his. And this is uh, something that you commented commented to me about before we started recording that uh, you were annoyed that they're being a little too uh, pr- transparent about certain things. So Yeah. Okay. We're
1: going to have like a big book spoiler here in a second and which may be a big future season – Spoiler. So if you haven't read the book, like, honestly, skip ahead a minute, because we're going to talk about something here. So give me a second. Okay.
0: (laughs) Okay. So yeah, reading this fortune of shadows, it says, like father, like son. Yeah, which is
1: just like... Why don't you just tell us? Because you pretty much just did.
0: Why Why don't you just have a giant neon blinking sign with a hand that points directly at Wednesday?
1: And the fact that also Chernobog calls Shadow his son, like he says, right. "Your son," right? Like you're just feeding it to us. It and that's a big reveal. We shouldn't have any indication.
0: Correct. Correct. Definitely. And and look, it's. Uh, <sighs> You know, it's one thing to make to have like a hint, a subtle hint that enough of these hints over time you might go, I think I might know where this is going. It's one thing to do that, but it's another thing to just go, Hey, look, that's his daddy, that's his daddy, you know, right? Um, it, it can be done uh with more subtlety and not quite so obvious for the audience. Yeah. You know, because look, if you've if you've read the book, then you know, so it doesn't matter. But if you're somebody who's never read the book, but you don't want to just be fed everything this easily, you know, if it is an actual mystery, and look, in the book, it is a mystery. Like you do eventually, you know, some things add up, hints wise. You you kind of get the sense like, okay, I think I think that this might be Wednesday's son. This might be Odin's son. Shadow is Odin's son. And it does eventually come to pass in the book and you go, Oh, look, I was right. Well, Great. Yeah. But there's not like in the book, they did this, you know? So it's not, um, it's not something I'm a fan of personally here. Uh, I felt like that was not the route to go here.
1: Yeah, definitely not. It was just, you know, like you said, you might as well have neon flashing lights being like, Hey, look at that. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: And like, your co- what was it your color is dead or something like that like oh there's laura like
0: right Well, it could also well i mean that could also point to the fact that shadow will in fact die remember Maybe. he does he dies on the trip. Yeah. so you know spoiler <laughs> well you know hey we already gave spoiler warning for the book and stuff here so you know yeah uh so anyway, uh they do this whole, you know, fortune teller scene and uh then they go down to the carousel and I'll admit this is easily the centerpiece of the entire episode. This is the very best Gorgeous. scene. Uh the carousel itself is amazing. Um the direction the I will say the direction here from from director Christopher Byrne is I think directing-wise the best aspect of the entire episode. There are other there are the times in this episode where I, I didn't feel like the direction was all that creative uh, or striking in terms of the imagery. But here I felt like this is as close as I felt like he came to season one David Slade material.
1: Yes, and that's mostly because that carousel is already that gorgeous. You already have the perfect centerpiece you just have to make sure it's shot in the most perfect way
0: correct right exactly so you know they all get on the carousel and it spins faster and faster and faster and you know and i will say beyond it looking amazing the special effects here in this moment are very good Um, yeah it, it looks great it's wonderful and then as it spins faster it kind of goes in on itself and then we find you know shadow waking up on the shores
1: well before he wakes up they're all flying on oh, their Oh right right
0: they do fly yes yeah
1: you're on right. their little um, animals and that, that shot that you're right only that weird.
0: is you're right that shot was not very good uh like, Odin looked very very strange and very comical yeah there's um the look on his face as it his face, like, came rushing towards the camera. It it's did, just so creepy. It was. It was weird, and I didn't really think that was that was. You're right. That was the one aspect of the CGI in this whole sequence that I felt was not very good. Otherwise, I thought it was it was excellent. Um, and I that, don't
1: care how much that scene cost you. You should just cut it out.
0: <laughs> All right. So, so we get to the shores. This is within uh, Wednesday's mind and okay so he, shadow wakes up on the shores he's met by belquis and i don't know on one hand i i thought it looked okay but i want to i want to be very upfront here okay i i think i want to take a pause in this episode sarah to just say I know it sounds like we're being really harsh on all this. And look, if you watch this episode and you thought it was amazing, that's great. I really do. I hope that it, you loved it. And I hope that, you know, this whole season, I hope you love it because if you do, that's wonderful. Look, we, we, we have a lot of love for Brian Fuller. Anybody that's listened to us over the years knows that, you know, whether it be from American gods or Hannibal or I went back further to pushing daisies and I go back even further to Wonderfalls you know I've always been a massive fan of his uh, he's
1: a master of his craft he's a master and there's of, no denying
0: that he's a master of his craft and he's also an extra an exeter of many series which yes. i will I will point as a criticism only because it's not always at the people i mean he he left star trek discovery he left um uh, what was that show he just left recently? Um, uh, the Amazing Discovery. Amazing Stories, I think. Yeah. Amazing Stories. Like like this has happened many, many times. It's not always this or, or being canceled, right? Like Hannibal was or uh, Pushing Daisies, right? So I'm going to say right up front, I, I think there's some room to criticize him in that area and that it feels like he's just jumping on and jumping off some of these shows too, for whatever reason. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend like he deserves no criticism, because that won't be true. That being said, uh, getting back to talking about the criticism for this episode, I know he's not there. And maybe it isn't fair to compare this season to last season so much, but that's what we have. And you can fault last season, for certain things, uh, there were faults. I mean, season one was a very, very good season, and I really enjoyed myself. But it did have, it did have some issues. That goes without saying. It does. It has issues. Yeah. But it was a beautiful, beautiful show, and you could tell. Uh, the special effects were, were were very good, especially for season one of a show, which was a gamble, and uh, it was always beautiful. And I, I think that the combination of Fuller with his style and David Slade with his technical abilities behind the camera, it it was a fantastic combination that gave the first season such a distinct look. And here we are criticizing, and they're trying their best. I I I don't believe that they're just half assing it. Okay, yeah, I no, do believe I, they're trying
1: for sure we believe everyone involved with in this loves this show mm-hmm. and that they're trying to make it the best it possibly can be. But yeah. unfortunately, some things are a hit. Some things are it's like, some things are great, but there's quite a few misses. And this is the scene right. in
0: Odin's mind is one of them. So, you know, they're trying to approximate the style of Brian Fuller. You know, if you go back to season one and you see some of the scenes um, that, kind of really resonated uh, there were there are plenty and they're trying desperately to, to give you that look that he he gave um, in season one like uh, if you remember go back to season one you had uh, um, Mr. Ibis right mm-hmm. do you remember all those scenes yeah, this scene is kind of looks to a degree like that um, this guy's kind of got a similar look to it and everything and they're trying their best to kind of make it look like that but it's just it's not as dynamic um it the special effects at times look good and at times feel like they could use more work yes but it, it is what it is and and I'm, I'm like I said I'm not saying it's the worst thing I'm not saying oh my god this is absolute garbage I'm not I'm just saying it's not as good and like I said maybe it's unfair to look at it like that but you know season one is the best the show has been and you either need to match up to that or you need to try to exceed it or do your best and it's just they're trying but they're not there and you know this thing in odin you know this world in odin's mind that they go to 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 meet is yeah it's just um
1: Because probably when Brian Fuller, Michael Green, David Slave, when they're involved, their work is just well-crafted weird. Like, it's an oddity that you just can't look away from. And it's just gorgeous and strange all at once. And you don't know why, but you like that it is. And I, I can feel them trying to replicate that. And... It's just not hitting the mark, and it's not their fault. I mean, like that's something you just can't replicate, and so they're trying to make it as best they can, and you can't fault them for that.
0: No, they're they're trying. Yeah. So we know I mean, it's it.
1: very weird. To have all the gods glowing a different color,
0: <laughs> right? And and you know, I mean, look, I can't say honestly, I don't know how Brian would have done it. And, and maybe he would have exactly. done something similar. It, it's possible. I, I like the, the attempt to create that that kind of look and style with the gods and their true form and everything. I think it comes down to not the look they were going for, but it's just some of the effects don't really look as good as they probably should with each of the representations of what... I mean, I think probably Odin looks the best, uh, but the other ones maybe not as much and like anancy should have been a giant spider uh
1: chernabog should have been the oh like he was like this big black like demon type thing Mm -hmm. it should have been like that it shouldn't have been their like real life forms just kind of stylized they should have been like go that extra mile Go to what's in the book. hmm But they teach their own.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: It might have been it too weird for some.
0: It's possible. It's possible. Yeah. Look, I, I think that um, you know if you look at the scene and <sighs> I, I'm gonna get into a criticism here shortly, um, about Shadow, but um uh... So so they Odin gives his big Speech And then Mama G, of course, is like, no, this is stupid. Basically, she says, this is stupid. I don't agree with this. Uh, we've managed to survive this long. Why? Basically, why rock the boat? And uh, Bilquis adds her two cents in. And then Shadow speaks up. And it's the first time in the entire series, I guess, where he's shown any kind of agency. Um, He's been on the sidelines for so much of this series which is a valid criticism i think even in season one i mean season one if you want to give a criticism it's you know which brian and michael are responsible for at least to a degree and i noticed they're taking shadow from the book obviously but shadow is not a dynamic character in the book you identify with them but he's not somebody who is uh somebody with a lot of agency. They're very he's very reserved. He he holds everything in. There's a lot of internal dialogue, which is not easy to show when you're doing a TV show like this. You know, exactly. like how do you how do you, you know, pull that out and and give that to the character in a way which makes him interesting. And it's difficult. It is. It's very difficult. I don't envy them the job here, but they try to in this scene. They try to give him a, a purpose and which is Hey, let me give you my two cents. I really think you should follow Odin. Basically is what it boils down to.
1: Yeah, I like that he has a voice, but I don't feel like it was an authentic voice. I don't think he would have fully endorsed Odin. It I feel like there should have been, you know, a speech of like, you know, everything he just went through and how he had like no belief and then kind of you know explaining what he's come to now and have that be the factor that you know makes people change their minds it shouldn't be like you should follow odin it should be like this is my words this is what i've endured through the last you know days whatever and this is what it's come to and this is why we should band together well, Let me. you know something a little
0: different let me get into my big criticism here when it comes to Shadow. You're right. This does not feel organic to his character. And let me explain why. Earlier in the episode and even after this conversation, Shadow is still acting like he doesn't know whether he believes what's going on, which is such a frustrating thing. I'm like, my God, man, what else do you need to see?
1: Like when he wakes up on the shore, the first thing he says to Bilquis is, "Am I dreaming?" Right. Like, like really? Like, I, like come what, on,
0: dude. What have you experienced since you know you got out of prison? Like, what do you think you've been hallucinating? Do you think you need to go to maybe see a a doctor, a psychologist, or something? Because, like, I don't, I don't get at this point why he's questioning what he's seeing. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. In in a book, you can kind of maybe get away with it. it's a book, you know. It's a little different. You can you can buy you can bypass um, you know, having the character in your head just uh, kind of fall in line. Um, yeah,
1: because you can justify like you know because you've read what the environment is, but you don't know what that environment is being interpreted as to that character whereas for shadow you know we're seeing what he's seeing
0: yeah and so you know when he's um earlier in the episode he he's like I, I i don't know what i believe and then he see, he does this whole carousel thing where he gives the speech and then they go to the to the uh, diner afterwards and he's like did that just happen it's like no dude really dude really like- no no that didn't happen like are you an idiot and then he goes over to Laura and he's talking to her and, and he, again, he says like, I can't think the exact, uh, what he, he says exactly, but he basically says again, like, I want to believe or something like that, or, you know? And it's just like, yeah. what? Come on. It's like, like, okay. You know, either you, either you believe or you don't. And if you don't believe at this point, then you're never going to believe um, exactly. that that works on the, on the page. It doesn't work on the screen. He's seen so many weird things. He's been a part of so many odd, just crazy, you know, just psychotic moments where things that have happened to him and around him couldn't possibly make his reality more clear.
1: You've met Jesus Christ and you're still like, I don't know if any of this is real. I think this is all a dream. Like,
0: are well, just, you kidding me? Just look at the. Okay if you even if you stretch okay your disbelief as far as it can go and you look at season 1 that shadow up to the finale would have maybe bought into everything at that point fine but by the time he you know the events in the finale with Easter play out and everything that happens there and all the craziness and if, and your and, dead
1: wife showing up.
0: Yeah your, yeah, your dead wife showing up. But even just the events of, of the finale and Easter and everything that goes on there, and you're thinking, okay, now you believe, right?
1: There can't be a single doubt now, right?
0: Shouldn't be. But that's where we are. And I think that's my big criticism right now is that he's still doing this. He's still doing this dance of, do I believe or don't I believe? Do I believe, don't I believe? And it's like, okay, you guys really need to make a, a choice here. All right, you need to make him go. Okay, I believe. Fine, let's move on. Let's 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 start doing more with his character, because we're now over a season into this show, and we still have our main character questioning whether or not he believes what's actually going on around him, and that's not helping this show at all.
1: Yeah, no, it is frustrating to watch.
0: Right, so, and yeah. you
1: know, on this sub ugh, on the subject of Easter. Let's get into why, you know, the reasoning they've explained Easter away. You know, the finale was this critical point of getting Easter to join his allegiance. And she shows her power by taking away the life from all around this area. And it's showing that she is siding up with Odin. It's a big demonstration. And, you know... In that episode, you know, Odin drives over bunnies, and it's to show that he does not care. And that's fine. It's kind of like a toss-off joke, but they're using that as the reason she's not here, that he drove over a couple bunnies when she took away all the life out of, like, the land. Are you kidding me? That's the reason? I- yeah. Yeah. It frustrates me so much. You've had two years to think of a much better reason than that. But no, he drove her some bunnies. So she's going to toss all the way. There's no way he would risk her allegiance if that was the case. It's insane.
0: Nope. Oh, that was my
1: biggest criticism of this
0: episode. <laughs> I, I agree. I definitely agree. So, uh, all right, so... Let's jump over to Mister uh, World. So, after the beginning of the episode, where Mister World gets to the, dang, I, I I can't remember whether it's Greenbrier or Blackbrier. Black, I think it's Blackbrier. Think it's Blackbrier. Okay. So, after he gets there and he's inside, he basically forces the older gentleman in there, uh, to, uh, do his bidding. All right. So, yeah. He he wants him to to kill, you know, people at the diner. Uh he needs to escalate the situation. So, he's there. We see him, you know, basically putting in the order for Mr. Town, who you if you read the book, you would recognize who that is, to basically shoot up this diner. Yeah. So, uh that's exactly what happens, right? Um you know, there's a bullet shoots right through, hits through the window and starts hitting people. And by the way, these uh some of these people are just regular people. These are not yeah. gods. They're they just, hit yeah.
1: every character we don't give any care about and then they hit one we of course do care about. Just right. one.
0: Just one. So this whole thing plays out uh, and then there's a, a bullet we do get a sh- an up close shot. It says, the guy's brains." No, 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 no. The 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 writing on the bullet.
1: Oh, oh do um, sex mortem or something like that.
0: Yes, it's like something like death of gods or something like that. <laughs> um, god killer. I don't know something like that. It's just it's meant to like bash you over the head with that. Yeah. Word like, hey, this is for killing gods. Um, but anyway, you know. This whole thing goes down. Shadow ends up, you know, knocking Laura down and then running out the back door. He ends up taking down Mr. Town. And then, because this episode couldn't get any weirder, but, you know, I'm not saying like... This is
1: it, the one part I liked. This
0: is the one part I hated most of all. Really? Because he got sucked up in the air in a UFO. Into a
1: spaceship.
0: He got sucked up in a spaceship. Like, really? Like, I got that to the end the of the... the one part I liked. I thought that was... I just, I sat there and just shook my head and thought, why couldn't you just, look, for, for Neil Gaiman, who apparently, like, needs the show to hew more closely to the book, has suddenly decided that rather than, you know, have the character get knocked out and thrown into the back of a, of a vehicle and, you know, driven away, which would make sense, you know, in terms of trying to achieve the same goal, instead he's going to get sucked up by a damn UFO. So that like so it. that Laura could come out and see a glowing like orb in the distance floating or, off. Floating off, where which is what she's gonna have to follow in order to find I don't know how she's gonna get up in the sky and actually save him, but whatever. She's um,
1: Laura. she'll figure it out. But uh, the reason I like that is because Mr. Well, when he was doing that big whole speech at the Black Briar to that guy, he was talking about how, you know, the president's nothing but a cardboard cutout I am the man behind the man, blah, blah, blah. And one of his lines was, I was Roswell, I was yada, yada, yada. So I like that they also tied in a UFO into like having, you know, said the Roswell incident. Like, that's kind of funny. <laughs> I don't right. know. I liked it.
0: Well, I, I don't know. I just That was the
1: one thing better. that felt a little Brian Fuller to me. Mm. I feel like that's something he would do because it's just
0: a, that kind of weirdness. Well, the weirdness, but see, I think, if he had done it that way, I think maybe he could have found a way to do it a little better. But I, I don't know. Like, I, like I had the, no problem departing from the source material. You know, we're both fine with that. It's yeah. just that it seems to go against what what Neil Gaiman wanted, which was for things to play out much more closely to how they happened in the book, the book, rather than the detours that Brian took. But then to like just make it a UFO like. <laughs> Whatever. I just shook my head and thought, "Oh, fine, whatever. I don't care." Um, <laughs> stupid. Anyway. Um, fair. Yeah. So. So yeah,
1: that's the episode.
0: That is the episode. Um,
1: and we lose one of our loveliest. Oh, gods.
0: Zoria uh, Vir- naya Yes. So she goes down. Pissed off. Well, you know. Hey, look. I mean, Cloris Leachman is getting younger. How
1: can you see that she is eternally young? She is the best.
0: I kind of wonder why her character was killed, whether it was just because of that or if she was like, look, uh,
1: I don't want to be part of this anymore either. I
0: don't want to be part of this craziness. And, you know, if it's going to be two years between each uh, season, I have better things I can do with my time. You know, I don't know. That, I mean, that's just pure conjecture, by the way. I have absolutely nothing to back that up. Yeah, exactly. But again, it could also just be that was the plan all along. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. maybe she wanted to exit as well. Maybe there's a contract thing and she had to put in an episode.
0: Who knows? Yeah, it's hard to say.
1: Yeah, but it's sad nonetheless because she's another one of the favorites. She's awesome in every way. Like, her... Like Arc in the first seasons fantastic she has some of the best dialogue, and yeah. for her to just be cut down to the first episode, it's pissed me right off, <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, all right, well, I mean, I understand,
1: but I do I love the emotion that Odin had for her. It felt genuine
0: okay that's that's good, it's good to know you know that you could see some kind of emotion on him. Yes, that he
1: genuinely cared about her departure, right and Chernabog pissed off as always.
0: <laughs> That's definitely a plus,
1: yeah, his lines are great,
0: um all right, so Sarah, why don't we get down to our grades so what would you give the script and for this and why?
1: Oh my God, I forgot to write them down. I told you what they are. But I uh, forgot to write them down,
0: yeah uh.
1: uh I think for a script, I gave it 68.
0: Yeah. You give it a 60. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh Yeah. Script. um, Definitely a 68 because it was just, cl- I think clunky is the best word to give it. It's very, like there's moments of absolute, you know, beauty and brilliance and some good writing. But then there's just, a lot of scatterbrain-ness that we've talked about and stuff that just doesn't make sense, huge plot holes. And there, it felt so rushed, you know, we didn't get, you know, Chernwog showing Shadow the uh, graveyard miniature. That's just, was a great scene in the book. We, we didn't get um, Anansi, you know, giving his stories, you know, talking about the tiger um, just fantastic things that they should have had happen at the House on the Rock, but it was just, you know, we need to get to point A to point B, and then we need to get to the diner, and everything needs to kind of get pushed into it, and that's what it felt like. It felt like you were being pushed through several doors through this episode. You just, there was no time. You know?
0: Okay. Uh, For me, I, I gave it a 78. Yeah, a little um, higher. I thought, I thought that the the script was at times, you know, good. I, I believe that the carousel portion was was good. Um, I mean, I had issues with the the shadow speech because I just didn't feel like for somebody this that weird. was still questioning his belief in whether this is even happening that he. But yeah, you know, you're he, gonna
1: allege yourself to Odin, like yeah. You're not,
0: well, you're not gonna give a speech trying to get other people to believe in odin if in fact you're still questioning whether or not this happened and what you believe in yeah so it just didn't feel like it was organic or that it made any sense really for the character at this point but uh, i thought that worked mostly um i like some of the there was still some really (coughs) good character stuff in this uh episode um some conversations between you know different characters that uh was good the Mad Sweeney and Laura stuff is still uh fantastic um you know there's good stuff here it i, I it was a solidish script for me i definitely had a lot of problems but you know it could have been much worse so and i'll give it a also
1: like the Salim and the Gin though w- what a build up we had from last season and it was just kind of like hey i'm here it oh. shows up, you know, that that was also like weird.
0: You weren't you weren't impressed by that, eh?
1: No, there was no <laughs> chemistry between them this time. It was just it felt like, you know, I have to be here. I have to show up in the first episode for some reason. I can't show up afterwards and have like an actual moment. This has to be rushed again. OK, fine. Yeah, <sighs> I'm just gonna, I'm just going to bitch through this whole episode. <laughs> I I can just hear myself just continuously whining, but man, more I think about scenes it just gets me more angry.
0: I guess, gee whiz. I'm
1: sorry guys.
0: My God. Bring down the fire and brimstone. Totally. Alright, so let's move on to acting. Uh give me your, your grade or I can I can remind you. Uh your your grade was an eighty five.
1: Yeah, that's right. It was, I mean, you can still feel the passion. And the want for these actors to be here. I mean, everybody still, you know, they obviously really love the story and really like working with each other. You can totally still feel that. Their acting is still superior and it's awesome. It's one of the best things about this episode is their acting. So definitely gave them an 85. They deserve it.
0: Okay. Uh, Yeah, for me, uh, pretty close. I have an 88. And, yeah. and I pretty much agree with everything that you're saying here. They're putting forth a ton of effort here. We can tell um, these are really good actors that obviously love this material. You know, if they didn't love it, they would have found a way to get out of their contract. After all this stuff started going down, they would have just said, I'm out of here. This is not worth my time. But they're trying really hard to make the second season as good as they can make it and uh, I think they know they're up against it here and so you know whether or not this gets a season 3 we don't know yet but they're going to do everything they can on their end to ensure that that is a possibility so uh, you know if there's one area of the show that I can't really criticize too much at all it would have to be the acting so yeah
1: Amen (laughs)
0: So our, our script grade uh is a seventy-three and our acting uh is an eighty-six.
1: Yeah, acting That's deserves no that. Role.
0: Uh all right, directing. <laughs> um you know, for me, uh I gave it a seventy-seven. I felt like the the show uh looks Kind of ish, <laughs> like what you know, look. Like they're trying, like I said earlier, they're trying to approximate the same style, the the sh- kind of shot selection, uh, you know the the very distinctive look that American Gods was in season one. It's not really there, but they're doing their best. So you know it is what it is. Um, I thought that there were times where Christopher Byrne uh was successful. In, yes. in kind of recreating that look and the color palette and everything but it's just it's he doesn't take it far enough which is the problem you have to be willing to go a little further than what he was willing to go in this episode so there were times where he came close there was even times where I thought he was spot on but then there was also other times where I I just felt like um,
1: what is happening
0: It the, there were times where I felt like the it looked flat to me Yep. So, um, yeah. So it looked good at times, and it looked flat at times. So that's why it's getting a seventy-seven. Uh, you gave it an eighty, Sarah. So what were your thoughts behind that?
1: I just thought he, you know, he came in. You know, he's did a good job with what was given to him. Like as we discussed, you know, it's not what it could be. We know the greatness it could be, but for you know someone to come in and take a swing at it, he didn't do bad at all. Um, most of it was, you know, pretty well done and I can't really knock him too much. Cause I mean, you have a pretty amazing setup. Like you have the house and the rock to shoot at. That's, I mean, how could you really go wrong? <laughs> Everything you, every turn you make something is interesting. So there's always something catching your eye in every scene. So I gave him an 80 just cause, you know, none of it was terrible directing. <laughs> it was all pretty good directing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. So our uh our directing grade is a uh 78. All right. So the special effects were tied with 75 and I th- I'm pretty sure we're going to be uh agreeing with uh each other in terms of like the special effects were good in spurts. There were there were scenes where I felt like, wow, you know, I'm impressed. Like the the whole history of the House on the Rock, where we kind of yeah. got to see uh, it, it kind of come about, be created, people kind of coming into it. And some of that is using special effects and, and it being built, and it looked really good. And, you know, there were other times where I was really impressed by what I was seeing. Uh, but then, like you said, there were just shots that really didn't work, you know. Odin flying towards the camera, and his face look really weird and kind of like stretched and odd. Yeah. I mean, not in like a really cool way. Like, oh, that's a that's just a stylistic choice, but more like a ah, that's not really good at all. It's really just bad. So, um, yeah, it's
1: something that they did wrong and they couldn't make it right, so they just left it.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, again, I, I thought it was good at times, not so good at times. So it gets seventy five
1: yeah and i gave it the same thing and for <laughs> pretty much the same reasons like it was hit and miss but some moments were absolutely fantastic and some were just kind of eh, that's kind of weird but you know it's only the first episode you know so that, that's why we're giving it that 75 who knows what we're gonna get in the next one
0: that's true yeah yeah all right gotta so, keep an open mind gotta keep an open mind right um Pacing, uh, I gave it a 74. You know, I thought the pacing in this episode was all right. Uh, there were times where, however, uh, the dialogue got a little too expo- expository. Um, sometimes the characters just ran on. And, you know, you and I were talking a little bit before the podcast, and I said, you know, sometimes you can get long conversations or even get a little overexpository uh with the dialogue between characters. And the way you combine that combat that is that you make the conversations reveal aspects of the characters, what they're thinking, what they're feeling, who they are, things like that. So that it serves a dull purpose. So for some reason you feel like you want to explain something more, but you find a way to attach it to a character, a char- character and who they are and their motivations and and things like that like to help re- you know reveal the characters make them more three dimensional uh it is a way to make the dialogue work in a way that it wouldn't if it was just a character yammering on for you know 5 minutes and you know boring everybody to death
1: exactly like when it has something to do with the character himself or it has it connects to something that's prevalent. It just makes it fascinating to hear and to dissect. Like, like we're gonna just harp on, you know, when Brian Fuller does it, but but seriously, when Brian Fuller's stuff, you know, the dialogue is fascinating. I can trace lines of connections from season three of Hannibal to season one of Hannibal. Like, there, like there's so much depth to the writing that. You can always find something new every time you watch it where it's just not straight, you know, here, this was written in the book, so it has to be here. It's not there just because it has to be or that we're just moving to the next scene. You know, it has everything he writes or everything he puts into his stuff has a purpose. And I didn't feel that. Like, I felt like we were just sometimes we were just saying dialogue to move along, you know, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that leads me to my my score, which is a seventy four for the pacing. You know, I felt like you know once we started the episode and you know we were driving along on the road with our main characters, you know that was fine. And once we got to the house on the rock, that's when things started to kind of slow down significantly for me. You know, we got to the point where the characters were just standing around and talking, and you got to be careful with how opaque you make your dialogue you know it's um you can if you start getting too opaque with your dialogue it it makes it difficult to really feel like you can understand what's going on and they just it feels like the characters are starting to talk at each other instead of to each other yeah. and uh that's a problem so it could be worse than the pacing i i felt like a 74 is is okay um, it just shifted a lot in this episode and, and I didn't think that it worked quite as well as it could have um, if they were a little more judicious with their editing when it came to cutting out some of those those I don't know over expository dialogue you know exchanges or did we really I know it's it would some people would say it would be a Brian Fuller thing that did we have to stand there for five minutes with the fortune teller scene Did we have to go inside the fortune? Telling machine to see the creation of the of the fortune itself. I mean, it was kind of cool. Don't get me wrong. I thought it was neat. I liked it. But that scene in particular just felt like it was a little too long. I didn't need to see.
1: Everyone get a freaking
0: fortune. Yeah. They could have found a way to, well, everyone's getting their fortune if you need to do this. Have everyone doing this, or at least the people that are most important. And yet we're not focusing on that. We know they're getting their fortune. but. There's a conversation going on between two characters, which would be much more interesting. Yeah. Exactly. Kill two birds with one stone. Make an interesting conversation that isn't overexpository, but would say is a good, interesting conversation. And then you also have this going down.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So said it better than myself.
0: Yep. You gave it a 60. I gave it a 74. Yep.
1: <laughs> that was my lowest low.
0: It was. Uh, so that gives us a 67. Uh, overall grade for the pacing. So if we add everything up, uh, my overall grade was a 78, yours was a 74, so the overall grade, uh, the Freaking Geeks, uh, or, yeah, the Freaking Geeks American Gods podcast overall grade for this episode is 76, which I think is about in line with where it should be. And, um, you know, look, I think we can both agree that uh, it's, Simultaneously, better than to a certain extent than we may have thought it could be, um, but at the same time, it's maybe also worse. If this, you know, if that makes any sense.
1: Some things are better. Some things are worse than I expected. Oh, so, uh, who knows we, what season what episode two has in store?
0: Yeah, and you know, before we get out of here, um, let's just talk about our history with the show what our expectations are and the attempt to not knock the show before we watch it right so you know we can't we're coming into this season knowing full well that there's been a lot of behind the scenes turmoil and some people might listen to this and think well, come on, you guys just thought it was going to suck, so therefore it sucks, right? I mean, Brian Fuller isn't there, so therefore anything this show does is not going to be as good. And I understand where you might be coming from. I do. It's a valid criticism. It's a valid uh, you know, complaint even if you really feel that. But I came into this, granted, with some reservations and some questions. And given everything that we, we learned, I was wary. I'll be honest. Coming in, I was thinking, please, just be good. Be good. I really wanted this to be good, and I still want it to be great. I do. Uh, It's possible that maybe after one or two, you know, maybe mediocre episodes, maybe this thing will kick into high gear. Uh, Other shows have done that. Um, And look, this isn't the only show that's ever endured behind-the-scenes turmoil. And there's been other shows that have done it, and the product hasn't been good. Uh, And there's other shows that have done had behind-the-scenes turmoil, but it's actually turned out really good. So basically, the the behind-the-scenes stuff didn't affect the quality. I don't know really what we're going to get with this season in terms of whether the the behind-the-scenes stuff is going to really, truly affect what we see on, on screen. But what I will tell you, and I think Sarah would agree with me, is independent of whether Michael Green and Brian Fuller are behind the scenes on this show, and I know we do reference them quite a bit because, you know, they did season one and we felt they did a really good job. Uh, Independent of that, we will be watching each and every episode and judging it on its own merits. Yeah,
1: As much as an open mind is
0: possible. Because it deserves that. Um, You know, they're not Michael Green and Brian Fuller are not you know, the showrunners, and we don't like that because, hey, we like them as showrunners and we thought they did a great job. But our job, our real job here is to review each episode and and review it and talk about it based on the qualities that it possesses each episode in and of itself. So that's what I'm trying to say to you is um, if you feel like we're just harping on this because they're not running it. Uh, that's not really the case. I mean, yes, we would love if they were running it, but they're not. So all we can do is say, okay, this is the next episode. We're gonna watch it and we're going to critique it. Uh, if we don't feel like it measures up, uh, based on the dialogue or the acting or or whatever, we're gonna say but we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna say, hey, it's not really all that great. Or, hey, the, the first two episodes were really bad, but you know, this third episode was just fantastic. I mean, it, it really is, it might possibly be redeeming this season so far. You know, we don't know. We're not there yet. I don't know what the next episode going to be like. Uh, Maybe the next episode is going to be stellar. Maybe, maybe the next episode will be the best the show's ever produced. We don't know that. And we're not going to know until we watch it. So I'm just trying to let you guys know that don't feel like we're going into each episode with a preconceived notion of whether or not it's going to be good or bad um i'm worried i'm hoping and that hope is what you have to place your faith on that uh we we want this to be a great show and we're going into each episode hoping that that hope that we feel is actually um something that is uh, um trying to think the word i want to use it's uh, fulfilled you know, yeah. So, Sarah, is there anything you'd like to add there? I know I just spouted it off for five minutes. So, is there anything you'd like to add? You know, in regards to that.
1: <clears throat> no, I like, I concur entirely. Like, even this episode, I went into it, you know, setting aside, you know, what, like, like, any notion I have that the you O'Brien know, Fuller, Michael Kramer involved, or knowledge of any. You know turmoil behind the scenes. I set all of that aside and just kind of just let myself experience the first episode. And this is my true, genuine emotion. It's not from any you know prejudgment, anything like that. Like I want the best for this show because it really, like you said, it deserves that. It there's some fantastic people involved in this. The casting is incredible. They deserve it and this story really deserves to be told and I hope that it gets to, you know, be as good as it can be.
0: Right. Exactly. Cause I, cause we, we didn't spend uh, over a year uh, <laughs> doing this podcast before the first episode ever came <laughs> out, you know, um, because we hated it, <laughs> you know, obviously right. we have a lot of love for it. And so we want it to be great. So we just exactly. want we want to make sure you guys understand that so that um you don't just think that we're going to hate on every episode because Michael Green and Brian Fuller aren't behind the scenes. Um you know, like I said, we don't like that. We wish they were there, but other shows go through showrunners um does and mean, turn out great. Yeah, it doesn't mean that just because they change showrunners means that the show just sucks. It's terrible. It's not the truth. that I've we've seen yeah, we've seen other shows go through other showrunners, and they've still produced excellent shows, excellent seasons. Exactly. So, all right. Um so uh, yeah, we have episode 2 coming up of course uh next week which we will review. And uh before we head out, uh let you guys know you can send in your feedback to American Gods uh pod at gmail.com. Mhm. And you can uh
1: American God's podcast Sorry, at gmail.com.
0: American God's podcast at gmail.com. The
1: Twitter is oh. at
0: American God's pod. That's correct. See, Sarah, you are the, the master. We're a little
1: rusty. But a little rusty.
0: <laughs> Sorry about that. So, yeah. So, if you have any feedback, send it in. Send it into our email. We will definitely read it on the next episode and respond to it. If you'd like to comment uh, on the show or our review or bring up any topics or give your views, your opinions – You can contact Sarah on Twitter. And if you go to our podcast, podcast, our uh, website, which is freakinggeeks.com, you can find this episode and you can leave comments there. And you can also rate and review it just like we do. So you can write a review. You can then, you know, there's slider bars. You can slide the bar over. uh, You can type it in if you want. And then it will give your grade and you know, if we get some people reviewing this episode, it'll give our overall grade and then it'll have the, you know, the feedback yeah. overall grade and the fan feedback, the fan feedback. And that's going to be pretty awesome. So you can go to our, our website, you can check it out there. And uh, also if you would like, you can support us on Patreon. If you go there, uh, you can support us and you also get access to, uh, our freaking geeks podcast you get episodes early so or and if you don't listen to that fine but if you'd like to support us uh, financially uh you can do that by going to www.patreon.com forward slash freaking geeks so go check that out and uh sarah i think that's it
1: yeah sounds like a wrap
0: all right, it everyone. Feels <laughs> it feels good to be back. It feels good to be back. Hopefully, Sarah, by next week, your voice will be fully intact and you'll oh, be. God, I hope so. Yeah, so I think you've held up really well, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. Um you know we're excited to, to keep reviewing these episodes and season two hopefully they get better and uh also hopefully we get a season three because i like to see us get to lakeside if we don't get there by the end of the season
1: right so <laughs> all
0: right all right everyone uh yeah thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on the american gods podcast bye
1: god thanks